G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Wednesday does roll around quickly and our opportunity once again today to check on those breaking news headlines this week out of Israel and more broadly across the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines once again for us. He's back with us. Hey, Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with one that's got an Australian connection to it. The Israel opposition leader, Yair Lapid, testified in what's called Case 1000, a Netanyahu corruption trial this week. What are the headlines here? Yeah, they said there was furor at the Jerusalem District Court as opposition leader Yair Lapid testified against the sitting Prime Minister. But the importance of Lapid's testimony was challenged by its briefness. The prosecution questioned Lapid for only about 40 minutes. In this case, Netanyahu is alleged to have received expensive gifts from Israeli businessman Arnon Milchan in exchange for aid in his business affairs. Milchan had also wanted Lapid to meet Australian businessman James Packer, who wanted to move to Israel at the time. Packer was presented as a case study for how the current tax and legal situation made it difficult for people who wanted to make Aliyah, that is, migrate to Israel, to transfer their business and their assets. In case 1000, Packer is another figure alleged to have provided gifts to Netanyahu. The next known major witness to testify is Milchan himself on June the 25th, as the businessman is too ill to travel to Israel, and due to his key role in the Gifts Affair case, the court permitted Milchan to testify via video call from the Israeli embassy in London. Well, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to know that uh, your every activity will be under scrutiny, and no doubt that corruption trial will continue, and there'll be more to say as the time goes by. Let's talk about some of the other headlines, Ron. The Ukrainian First Lady, Olena Zelensky, will visit Israel next week. What's the story here? Yeah, the First Lady, Olena Zelenska, plans to visit Israel next week uh, uh, as an invitation from her counterpart in Israel, Mikhail Herzog. Herzog, wife of President Isaac Herzog, met Zelensky at the coronation of England's King Charles III earlier this year. Zelensky's visit will focus on the First Lady's joint project for Ukraine to adopt Israeli resilience programs to help Ukrainians suffering from post-traumatic stress symptoms. Ukrainian mental health experts have visited Israel to learn from Israeli professionals. Ukraine's First Lady also plans to visit wounded Ukrainian soldiers who are recuperating in Israel. 
Back in Israel, the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas is actually travelling to China and seeking support for peace talks with Israel. What's the story here, Ron? Yeah, the visit is seen as a sign of China's ongoing effort to increase its influence in the Middle East at a time when the USA has refocused its attention on the Indo-Pacific region and the Ukraine. It's further seen as a sign of strengthened relations between the Palestinians and China. Abbas's visit to China comes shortly after Beijing helped broker the re-establishment of diplomatic relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran. It also comes in the aftermath of China's offer to help Israel and the Palestinians resume peace negotiations which have been stalled since 2014. Ron, let's turn our attention to uh, relations in the Arab world and around child protection. Jordan and Egypt are standing out in the fight against child labour in the Arab world. What's this one look like? Yeah, the World Day Against Child child Labour was observed last Monday in a Worries me that we don't make more of that here. Reports from that event show Jordan and Egypt are leading the battle against child labour in the Arab world. The annual event inaugurated by the International Labour Organisation, ILO, in 2002, encourages countries around the globe to scrutinise the human rights issues of child labour. Jordan amended its child labour law in 2008 and has implemented it rigorously in recent years. Meanwhile, Egypt banned the employment of children under the age of 15 in the workplace last year. Anas Gaith, a social worker in Jordan, founded a social work lab specialising in child protection. He told the media line in Jerusalem, sometimes you notice that one man has a big bus or truck and makes children sell water or gum. So sometimes the Ministry of Social Affairs collects these children and puts them in an institution for one or two days until their parents come and agree that they will not let their children work anymore. If it happens more than once, the police then charge the family with child abuse, he said. He noted the cultural difference between Syrians and Jordanians on the subject. Jordanians let their children work to increase the income for the family. Sometimes there are problems at home. The father is unwell and cannot work, so the child needs to go, he said. Gates said that in the rural Jordanian localities, it's less popular to send children to school. Instead, they go to agricultural camps and work picking and loading vegetables, getting paid around about $1.40 an hour. These children begin work at the age of eight or nine. Well, it's good to see governments of nations uh, at least making an attempt here to stand out and uh, fight that child labour. Hey, Ron, let's finish off with um, an interesting one. An interfaith gathering in Jerusalem encourages and strengthens ties with Israel, including diplomatic ones. Uh, What's this one about? Yeah, the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast Initiative gathers policymakers, business people and spiritual leaders 
from around the world to learn more about the Holy Land and how they connect spiritually, diplomatically, and economically to Israel. In recent years, several countries have moved their embassies to Jerusalem, therefore recognizing it as the capital of Israel. This is the result of a long and complex diplomatic process, the outcome of various groups lobbying their respective governments. Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast is one of those groups, chaired by Israeli parliamentarian Robert Illetuff, Albert Bexler, the head of JPBM Consulting. It's a movement that gathers annually to bring together government leaders and influential Christians from all over the world. But its weight is felt beyond prayer. According to Illetuff, many of the recurring attendees of the event go on to create an impact in their respective countries in the political arena. They do so by promoting Israel to local authorities, which can be influential on certain diplomatic decisions. One subject that has gathered significant attention is the embassies in Jerusalem. Currently only four countries have full embassies. The United States, Guatemala, Honduras, and Kosovo. I was particularly impressed with a comment made by U.S. Rep. Michelle Bachman, who also co-chairs the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. She said, God chose the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, to be the keepers of the law, the keepers of the prophets, the keepers of the commandments, to keep them and preserve them and to give them to the world, she said. Well, Ron, always appreciate your updates each week. Uh, Insightful as you've gleaned those headline details on developing issues around Israel and more broadly throughout the Middle East. Hey, Ron, thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.